When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket and we're, well, reviewing, I suppose, exclaiming about England's fantastic performances in the one-day series, the Royal London one-day series. 481 for six. I mean, it just beggars belief. I I feel totally sorry for the bowlers myself. Well, at one stage it looked as if it could have been 500. You think of Headingley, 500 to one, England winning against Australia, nearly 500 runs. 242 run victory against Australia. It had actually been reasonably competitive in the first two matches. They lost by three wickets to the Oval, 38 runs at Cardiff. They were tenacious, not as good as England, but they just hung in there in both games. Third game, absolutely blown away. What what does it mean? Does it what sort of significance does it have? Is it just one of those things? We're a year away from the World Cup. Is this a side that is going to carry all before it going into that World Cup, or do we just go back a week and a half and think, hold on a second, this England team lost to Scotland? <laughs> yeah, and, and we're going to talk about uh, the the sort of evolution of the England One Day side. We're also going to talk in in a few minutes to Bill Athey, the former England one day and test player, uh, because he's uh, a coach now in London school circuit. And uh, I just had to bump into him the other day and he's got some interesting views about the one day game. But first, uh, we should just say that you can subscribe to the Analyst Inside Cricket. So you'll get this programme automatically each week. You just click on the button where it says subscribe. And thanks to everyone who's reviewed or rated this show. If you've enjoyed it, please tell someone you know who might like it. As well, well, the Australian bowlers didn't like it very much in the third one day at, at Trent Bridge. And I think to answer your question, what, what you know, where does that sort of performance sit? I think it was the perfect storm. It was a fantastic pitch, you know, as Trent Bridge always is for one day cricket. There's a funny boundary at one yeah, side. England had identified that very early on, a, a Mickey Mouse boundary to, to the offside and, and, and leg side of the left-handers on, on one side. And also the Australian bowling, which obviously is missing 
three or four front liners. I make it five. Five, five front liners. Potentially five yeah. bowlers that could have been ahead of the bowlers and played I think yesterday. The, and another thing is Hales sort of playing for his place a little bit, knowing his home ground really well. The other guys, Roy and Bearstone in particular, sort of finding form in the previous games without, well, in, in Roy's case, obviously getting a big score, but Bearstone kind of owed them a bit, really, after the, the centuries he scored. Suddenly he got out for a couple of mediocre scores by his standards. So it was all those sort of things weighed up together. And actually, when they were 125 for none of about 12, 13 overs, I said, there's 500 on here. Yeah. And England struggled to make 500 in test cricket or 400. <laughs> or 300. And, and yet they make it look easy in one-day cricket. Yeah, It's amazing with though. Just over a year ago, we were saying, how does he get into this England one-day side? And now he's just rattling off hundreds. Well, he's forced his way in at the top of the order. In, in a way, it's odd that he's managed to do that because they had Hales and they had Roy, who looked bankers at the top of the order. And actually now, England are in this situation. Well, what, what do they do with Alex Hales? This is a man whose place is under threat. He's played quite a bit this summer because of Ben Stokes' situation, injury to Ben Stokes. But where does he fit in? If Stokes comes back, surely Stokes has to play. You know, when Stokes is fit again. Well, I, I totally think he does. Not only because of his obviously very powerful batting, but he's an incredible fielder and he's an invaluable bowler. So you know, he's a complete package. So Stokes has to play. Who misses out? If there's no injuries, there will be injuries further down the line. Someone's going to be unfit, and that will make the decisions a lot easier. But for the moment, and I know it will sound odd, and probably Nottinghamshire fans will be very annoyed, but Hales is is the most vulnerable to mm. me because. He's not really a, a proper batsman. He's a slogger. He's a very, very good slogger. You know, he's, he's brilliant. But the other guys, I think, can adapt their game more. You know, Roy, Bairstow, to a lesser extent, Morgan. Obviously, Root is important. He's averaging 50 in one-day cricket. He can play all sorts of roles. The one thing he can't do <laughs> is slog. Well, I wanted to make a point about Joe Root. I mean, it was actually, it was actually something slightly pathetic about it yesterday. When he came in, and he, you know, all these players have played these amazing shots. He is supposed to be. Well, he is. He's one of England's top batsmen, one of the top batsmen that's ever played for England. And he looked so out of place. You're almost in a situation there where you thought, well, was he coming in too high? He came in at number seven. He could have been number 11, couldn't he, actually? That would have been hilarious. Certainly number nine, yeah. yeah. Because he, he didn't really fit in. He, he couldn't play the game they, they needed to play at that stage. I mean, you know, it, it's a minor, it's a very minor thing because actually he plays a really important role and could well play a really important role for England in the World Cup next year because there is going to be a game, possibly two games, possibly three games. It might happen in the semi-final where you're going to need a root-type innings to dig England out of trouble. I mean, it's still... Strikes me that this is one of the, the, the big looming problems for England, and that there's no way they can solve it. Really, it's, they're just going to have to grit their teeth and get on with it on the day. There is a distinct possibility, very strong chance that England will finish in the top four in their group in the World Cup next year, which will mean a semi-final place. In fact, they'd be desperately disappointed if they don't. Everyone will be who supports England will be desperately disappointed if they don't. So there's every likelihood of having a semi-final. It's on the day. You don't get many of those sort of one-off games. And then the pressure is really going to build. So someone like Joe Root in that situation, with that calmness and that experience, might actually prove to be absolutely vital. It's like it's the same sort of story, the scenario as England football and 
penalty shootouts. It is, yeah. I thought we were going to have a football free zone here, but we've managed to sneak it in there somewhere. Well, it's true. You're right. It is. It is a bit like that, isn't it? That pressure moment. You know, you can play well over 90 minutes, 120 minutes, but in the end, it might well come down to a, a penalty shootout. And that, that's what it might be like for England in, in a semi-final. But we're a long way away from that. Is the team peaking too early? Or is it just, yeah, this is, or is this such an outlier, this series? Because Australia... Are missing so many players. I mean, you, you, their team could be radically different. Well, probably will be radically different when they come to the World Cup next mm, year. And England yeah. will not have it so easy. And there are different sort of trickier tasks ahead. You play different teams. You know, you play nine different teams for a start. You don't just play the same team over and over and over again. Well, yeah. I, I suppose what England do have to do is get their bowling formula right because at the moment there are still some areas where you sort of think, well, they're getting away with it. But is there is this the best five pronged attack? Well, obviously Wokes is missing at the moment. Stokes is yeah. also missing. I think both of them will have an important impact. Wokes can take early wickets and bowls well at the death. And Stokes is obviously you know sort of X factor. So I think David Willey is is vulnerable. He's the sort of bowler who you think most batsmen probably fancy him a bit. I mean his bowling, obviously, and they sometimes get out to him early on. But I think he'll. He might play a spit part in the World Cup, but I think that England can only afford to play him if there's a little bit in the pitch and if the boundaries are not as short as they were yesterday. Because his first ball yesterday went out of the park, didn't it? England are going with five frontline bowlers in, in this series, route to bowl a little bit of spin. Is there a case for having Stokes come in for Willie rather than Stokes for Hales? Why not? Or, or, or does the captain want more options I mean, you need, more, I mean Australia had eight bowlers yesterday didn't they I mean you do need a few options definitely yeah. I so think, not Stokes for Willie then well, really well, it's, it's possible but yeah. is, is that really the way to go or do you actually Stokes comes in he gives you an extra bowling option and a, a batting option as well so you have six bowlers Root's a seventh bowler and you also you know, balance the batting as well you've got enough hitters in there but sorry it's just a question of sorry Alex or Jason or, or, or whatever you, you're going to miss I out I think today. it's going to be a bit about the pitch you know and, and the condition when they get to the ground, they'll have a, a squad of thirteen or fourteen, and Willie will be there. You know, it will be a case of is this pitch going to have a little bit of help in it for a guy of his sort of pace? If it's Cardiff, say, for mm. instance, maybe Edgebaston, somewhere like that. I wouldn't play him at Trent Bridge because it just comes onto the bat beautifully, and you need players that have a bit more guile. I think the spinners are obviously effective at somewhere like Trent Bridge. Overall, uh, I thought Nasser Hussain made a, a good point uh, on telly actually by saying with bowlers, that in, in the sort of 1980s and 1990s in cricket, in international cricket, you needed to have a strong mentality to be a batsman and a strong physical presence to be a bowler, especially a fast bowler. And now the situation's reversed in one-day cricket. You actually need to be strong physically to be a batsman and strong mentally to be a bowler. Yeah. Look at the, the amount of runs that a very good bowler, one-day bowler like Andrew Ty, had gone for 100 yeah. yesterday. And you, you, there's nothing he could have really done about it. I think the Osrees perhaps got their bowling tactics a little bit wrong. They could have gone earlier with the, the wide Yorkers. Yeah. They might have bowled the spinners a bit more. I'd bowl a spin spinner against Roy in the first over. Yeah. because he, he's a bit moral but overall they probably would have still gone for over 400 and you just feel sort of a little bit sorry for the bowlers and that's what I talked to Bill Athey about initially he was down the road uh, coaching the Dulwich College schoolboy team and I talked to him about the, the whole balance between bat and ball in one day cricket and whether he thought it was fair or not Generally, yours, I think it's a, a case of um, the crowd go to see the ball being smacked out the ground the ball being hit a long way. However, having said that, 
in recent times with boundaries being brought in as well. Uh, the, the bat looks as though it's beginning to dominate the ball. Do, do you think that matters? Uh, I, I think it's going to be difficult uh, if it carries on like that for, 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 for younger lads, or lads grown up in the game, to want a ball. Uh, if they think that everything is against them, there's not a lot of uh, uh, not a lot of rewards for becoming a, a good bowler or trying to become a good bowler. So I think it maybe maybe needs a little bit of evening out. Do you look on the the, the modern game with batsmen with strike rates of 120 per 100 balls? You know, and I, do you know what your one day strike rate was? About 30, wasn't absolutely it? Absolutely no idea. Absolutely <laughs> no idea. Well, <laughs> but the game has changed. The, the, the the um, the attitude towards uh, one day cricket and indeed even test cricket has, has changed in terms of uh, batsmen are far more likely now to play very aggressively whereas in the past you know 250 for two in a test match day batting first on the first day would be considered a great day uh, now people score way above 300 and it's it's still not out of the ordinary would you like to have played in this modern era of one-day cricket as a batter? Definitely. Definitely. I think it would, uh, for myself as well as, as many others who I could probably think of if I put my mind to it, it would have uh, released the shackles, as it were. You'd have got that pull-out off a uh, slightly shorter length ball, well, see it, it over the fence? Well, it would have done. You can think of, 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 I'm sure you can think of many people who you played with and against who, if only they'd, during their careers, had just let themselves go a little bit, they'd have been far more successful. But, however, it wasn't exactly encouraged when they played. Now, it actually is encouraged. Now, you're the cricket coach at Dulwich College, very successful cricketing school, great cricketing pedigree. How does the proliferation of T20 and all the funky shots and the, the strike rates that you see now, batsmen smashing sixes everywhere, how does that affect you as a coach? How hard is it to get batsmen to, to play proper shots, if you like? Well, I think uh, you know, coaching at school, well, any school, or, and Dulwich uh, included, is, is trying to get the boys, oh, we're an all-boys school, trying to get the boys to, to learn how to play the basics of the game, the fundamentals of the game. Once those fundamentals are in place and the boys have got a fairly good grasp of them, then they can start experimenting and adding their own little bits to their fundamental game that they have developed. So do you find yourself, say, in the nets, kind of uh, almost waiting anxiously to see how long it will last before one of them gets down on his knees and tries to play a ramp shot and you're covering your hands? Uh, things like that do happen. Uh, Sorry, covering your eyes, I meant. Particularly in the nets, um, but that, that's just the way, they, that is what they watch on television, that is what they see on television. That is what they hear uh, players getting lauded for on television, so they are bound to try it, they're bound to. And you don't mind, you know, no. in a way I suppose it's it's flowering, it's, it's exploration. Of course it is, it's experimentation, but as yeah. I say, the, the thing we need to work on mostly is learning the fundamentals and the basics of the game. And once they can do that, they can then experiment. And of course, they need to know when the time is to experiment. And I suppose it's interesting, isn't it? You, you know, you were a classic player who predominantly played for three-day and, and test cricket. Uh, it, you know, we don't look as if we're generating in the professional game too many players like you now. Um, I don't suppose there is. Uh, again, you know, more and more players are encouraged to 
to play shots and to get on with the game and whatnot. So it's uh, and it's a very interesting concept that people are starting to play only white ball cricket. There's nobody said come out yet said I'm only going to play red ball cricket. Well, that's Bill Athy. I mean, it's a, it's a good point, isn't it? I suppose someone like Alistair Cook plays red ball cricket yeah. only, doesn't he? But he plays white ball cricket for Essex and he didn't quite make it to Lords in the Royal London One Day Cup. Rashid is an example of someone who's playing white ball, though I understand that there's a good chance that he'll be back playing red ball cricket next season as well as white ball cricket. Rashid is an interesting one because you, you mentioned uh, before we heard from Bill Athy about... Australia using a spinner, say, against Jason Roy at the start. They haven't really got that quality of spin, although they could use Nathan Lyon, of course, who's, who's not who's part of the squad that hasn't been seen yet. I just thought Rashid just gives England that, that something different. Mm. And we saw it in Cardiff. Actually, it was, it was exemplified most in Cardiff uh, last Saturday when England were under pressure a bit. Australia were going quite well. There was a good partnership developing, and Re- Rashid was bowling inside the last... 10 overs and it, you know in the old days that feels like a gamble bowling a spinner inside the last 10 overs but Rashid showed that he has got the the skill now and the confidence and the and the trickery to cause problems for the batsman on the chase and that that's a really good asset to have whether it will work against perhaps more sophisticated players of spin like say Indian batsmen we'll find out in a semi-final or final situation we're going to find out. Well, we, we, we might. Well, we, yeah, we might well find out earlier this, earlier this, uh, well before the World Cup. I think the, the real test for England will come this summer when they play against India, who I think mm. are a, a fantastic side. Whether they'll be sort of match fit, match ready in the way that England are when the series starts, it's only a three-match series. That's good in a way. Short and sharp, so not many chances. You know, to win the series, you've got to get it right on the day, just about. Otherwise, you, you know, you're you're going to be out of it. I think that's a good preparation the World Cup. I think it's going to be a fascinating series. In a, in a way, it might, wo- might well be the highlight of the summer, that series, that three-match one-day series between England and India. And that would give perhaps England supporters and England themselves a good indication of, of where they are going into the World Cup yeah, next year. Definitely. The point about Rashid is good because what he's shown is, is some mental strength in being able to bowl at the death the last mm. few months and being entrusted to bowl those crucial overs. Bowling Moen Ali as well in the power play too is a, another sort of trusting move from uh, Owen Morgan uh, that he's understood the player is strong enough to, to handle that kind of pressure and that responsibility. And what I, I suppose England are doing you know, predominantly is trying to build this, this team um, unity and, and formula because the, the management are great believers in the fact that the teams that have won the World Cup in the past have played, let's say, 60, 70 ODI caps per man. Yeah. So they're just trying to get that average number of appearances up in that group of 13 players. So they've really got lots of experience. Yeah, that, that's right. Ex- experience makes such a difference when it comes to the big tournaments. Just one thing I wanted to say, though, and we mentioned Scotland earlier... That was you got Scottish ancestry. Well, I, I just I just thought it was a really interesting day that because the, the only thing I would say about the Scotland match is the game England, as everyone knows, lost. It's a thrilling game, great occasion, fantastic. Anyone was there will say you know I was there for the next thirty, forty, fifty years. Um, but so far this year, largely speaking, okay, in Christchurch you could argue was a you know was a essential final two uh, two going into the final match of that one day series. It was a one-off game 
and England couldn't deal with the pressure. And when I talk about the pressure, I mean that feeling as they were batting of, goodness me, we're going to lose to Scotland here. We better not. We better not lose to Scotland. But they did because they made poor decisions under pressure in what was a, a one-off situation, a one-off match. So. Yeah, just a, a cautionary tale. Every, yeah, everyone's very happy, England supporters, about the way the one-day team is, is played over you know, mm. two or three years now. But when they played in tight situations, one-off games, Pakistan, Champions Trophy semi-final, Scotland, one-off game, under pressure, baying crowd, desperate for their team to win and cause a, one of the you know, big upsets, England failed. And they t- made some very bad decisions in that match. So basically the preparation from now on, you're saying, is play lots of one-off games. Well, well, no, forget it, about the series. Absolutely. Just play one game against lots of different teams. <laughs> well, there's something in that. Because yeah. when you've got a series, you just know there's another match around the corner. And you know you can you can drag it back. Oh, we're loose. To, not, it's not it's not quite. Obviously, you're playing for your country. You desperately want to win. But there, you know you do have that feeling, well, today's not the be-all and end-all. But of course, you play a one-off game, it is the be-all and end-all. And that's why I think a three-match one-day series is actually a better preparation for a World Cup than a five-match or certainly a seven-match series. <laughs> well, a three-match one-day series is coming up against India next month. We'll look forward to that. After the break, we're going to look ahead to the final couple of one-dayers and we're also going to hear what's in the next issue of The Cricketer magazine. There's a particularly interesting interview in there which celebrates the 50th anniversary of something so keep listening. Welcome back. And as I said in the earlier part of the show, we're going to now talk about the new issue of the Cricketer magazine because, of course, this podcast is in association with Cricketer magazine. The new issue is out this Friday. And I've got the editorial team here with me in what you might call Cricketer Mission Control, Hugh Turberville and James Coyne. The Mission Control of the Cricketer, you might like to know, is actually a former county court. It's Lambeth. County Court. We've got all these kind of robing rooms and things uh, around the place. So sorry if it sounds a bit echoey, but uh, it's a, as usual a, a magazine packed with interesting features and up to the minute previews of series and so on. Um, Hugh, what do you pick out from what we've got in this month? Well, just to tell your listeners that it's the one with um, the T20 Blast players on the front with a nice yellow band saying "Blast Off." So they can buy that in the uh, in the news agents. Uh, we do a survey every year, and we ask our readers what they want in the mag. And for every survey, they always say they want Mike Atherton. Yeah. So we've got a lot. They're unbelievably month. blinkered. Really, aren't they? <laughs> They're the only one Mike Atherton, and nobody else. Can, well, but anyway, you know, well, he's very good. We, isn't we've he? got a good chunk of him in this one, and we've got a few more splatterings of him coming up in the next few issues. So. But this one is uh, a good chunk talking about the game past, present and future. But one interesting thing that I found was he was talking about um, Zafar Ansari. I don't know if you remember, but Zafar Ansari was saying that he found that he realised that he didn't want to carry on in professional cricket when he saw how competitive Ben Stokes, Alistair Cook and people were playing table tennis. <laughs> darts as yeah. well. Oh, was it darts as well, right? It used to be Rocky Harmison and so on, so on playing darts, didn't they? But... Um, Atherton says, I do, I do think you have to be slightly immature to be a good professional sportsman. You have to think it's the most important thing in the world, which is clearly a nonsense. You must give it everything, every minute of the day. If you lose a game, it has to hurt. When you step away, however, you realise it's only a game. On my final day, I clearly remember thinking it doesn't matter anymore. And that is the time to retire, as you cannot have that. Whereas obviously Anzari thought it when he was 25. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's easy to, to think that you should think like that, I suppose, isn't it? Because 
you know, if you're a, a person like Atherton that has a very rounded life and he went to Cambridge University and he did a, you know, a very good degree and, he, you know, he has a, a sort of a vision beyond the game, mm-hmm. it's quite easy to see that uh, you, you wouldn't have to be totally myopically focused on cricket. But for a lot of people, that's all they know, isn't yeah. it? I mean, they play the game as kids, 12, 13, 14, go into an academy, training all winter nowadays it's pretty much sort of a 12 month of thing well, we, work, we work with Jim Hines and the knots, ex-knots left arm spinner and he's competitive and always will be won't he yeah. he gets competitive but he's making the tea rounds and things so um, some people just have the competitiveness in their DNA don't they you can see it actually in them on the field can't yeah. you? you can see the ones that I think they burn out quicker because they're giving so much someone like Stokes you feel, I mean, you know, I suppose before him, people like Simon Jones as well, they were so sort of hyped up about the game that flint off. It seems to often apply to all rounders. They're so kind of multi involved all the time that they can't sort of relax and sit back, and that's when muscles are. I used to be like that. I used to do we playing... like that in the office now. <laughs> when we Come were... on, get on with when... it, you know. When we were playing pool, I mean, I wouldn't accept defeat at any, you know. Games of pool and ridiculous stuff. You know. I'm not like it anymore, I don't think. You sure? <laughs> I don't know. I've seen you kind of lose it, lose it a bit in the office. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we won't go to that. <laughs> but, and what about uh, for competitive uh, teams as opposed to individuals? We've got a story there about the 1948 Invincibles. Definitely. So 70 years since... 70 years? 70 years since yeah. the Invincibles. Yeah. And uh, uh, they went through the tour of England or UK unbeaten, including 4-0 in the tests, under Don Bradman. And we've caught up with two marvellous names, Ray Ellingworth and Dickie Bird, who uh, reminisced to the magazine about what it was like to watch those guys in the flesh. And um, Illy, who was a competitive sort himself, wasn't he? And still is, really, isn't he? But it's quite a funny quote from him. I watched from the old winter shed at Headingley, where they had put in 10 to 12 rows of temporary seating, Occasionally I left because it was so hot and you had to get into the shade. I have a particular memory of Bradman hooking. Bill Edgett was bowling, only a little man, but he was quite quick. Bradman played these hook shots through the mid-wicket. It stuck in my mind because after watching Bradman play, I went on to play that shot quite well myself. <laughs> yes, you would, too, wouldn't you? Yeah. That, of course, was the, uh, the year that the Aussies got 720 against Essex, didn't they? They did. And Keith Miller... Walked past his first ball and went to the races because he couldn't be asked. Yeah, although coming in at three hundred for two, or something. a regular contributor to us, David Frith, gets quite angry about that. The revelation. He reckons he's seen footage of it and he's genuinely out accidentally, and it's all become a bit of an urban myth mm. that Miller did it deliberately. Apparently, um, Bradman batting in that game got he's uh, an eligible hundred, and he the the, uh, the wicketkeeper, the Essex wicketkeeper, it was at Chelmsford, wasn't it? I think, and the Essex wicketkeeper sort of said to him. You've hit two on the leg side. Um, you know, have you got any other shots or something? When he was about eighteen or that, and he then proceeded to hit the next two identical balls over the offside. So he was not only brilliant, but sort of a years ahead of his time in terms of he did get, improvisation. He did hit quite a few to leg, and he got he got across and worked a lot to leg, didn't he? Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure he had the talent to put it anywhere he wanted, yeah, really. Yeah, basically. Mm. Okay, so those are the two sort of big features, or two of the big features. James, what have you got for this month? Well, uh, we sort of pride ourselves on our county coverage, and uh, so you know we put a, put together a comprehensive guide to the C20 Blast, which obviously is in a bit of limbo at the moment. In that we know in a couple of years' time there's the uh, uh, the new hundred ball competition coming along, so there's a little bit of um, uncertainty out there. 
regarding the blast, but obviously the counties are very proud of it. Um, you know, the, the, the crowds keep coming in. And um, for all the fact that we're not always sure who's playing for, you know, which county, which overseas players coming in, um, it's still, you know, it commands the height of summer and it's a hugely important competition. So we're, we, we really pulled out the stops for this. Um, we've got... Um, We've got a PPI, uh, a cricketer and a FICA PPI index uh, for each county, so it ranks every player in every squad, um, so you can see where each player stacks up. Um, so this is a sort of an algorithm which we've created here at the Cricketer Magazine in association with the world governing body of cricket, for the, the, the players' governing body, that's right. uh, FICA, mm-hmm. and uh, each player has a sort of a ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that affect who are the favourites, do you reckon? Well, I, I mean, a lot of people this year are talking about Sussex, I think. Um, and it's no surprise when you look at Rashid Khan, he's number three in the world. Um, Chris Jordan, 40 in the world. So, you know, they, they look formidable, their bowling in particular. Jofra Archer, Tymor Mills. Tymor Mills has been playing club cricket until yeah, now. Yeah, and a bit yeah. for Suffolk, I think. But um, So it's going to be fascinating to see how they get on, I think. Obviously, Sussex being a county that pride themselves on T20 and we've got... Um, Hugh's been down to, to Hove to do the county set on them this month as well so Sussex fans will be particularly happy about that okay. um, Rashid so, yeah. Khan I will just pick up on you actually because he, he, he's obviously been phenomenally successful in T20 and yet his first test experience was a, yeah. a disappointment obviously uh, India beating Afghanistan easily yeah. and it's a fa- an interesting feature isn't it because you look at these spinners around the world like him and like particularly Sunil Narine, there's Badri from the West Indies. And they've had, if they have played Test cricket, they haven't had much influence. Why is that? Well, I suppose it's partly because, especially in T20, you only get the four overs to, to have a look at this bowler's uh, googlies and leggies and pick up their, on their variations. And I think the other reason is that, actually, in T20, the more different deliveries you bowl, the harder you are to hit because you don't know the batsman doesn't know what to expect in test cricket it's all about constantly probing away at one spot with your normal stock delivery and then just throwing in the odd variation rather than varying every ball where you can't set a field and mm-hmm. there's no rhythm to your bowling you can't really build up any pressure on a batsman so you know it, it, it's another illustration of the way that tests and one day's T20 in particular are sort of diverging absolutely and i think you know in T20 and, and ODIs Leg spinners are absolute gold dust, aren't they? I mean, North Ants have got a leg spinner, Sikugi Prasanna from Sri Lanka. So, I mean, you know, it, it really is Adil Rashid for England. So it really is a weapon in T20 and ODIs, less so in um, less so in Test cricket, it seems, at the moment. You know, I saw Bishu bowling for West Indies the other day and he, you know, he didn't quite have the same potency, I suppose. So, yeah, it's, an, it's interesting. Well, my feature this month, actually, is the 50-year anniversary of the great Epic six sixes Garfield Sobers hit off Malcolm Nash. It was on thirty first of August nineteen sixty eight when Sobers was the first man to hit six sixes off successive legitimate deliveries in one over. And as I say, Ma- Malcolm Nash, of course, was the famous victim on that occasion. And I went down to Swansea actually and chatted to Malcolm and sort of relived the moment when when it all happened. And he was very lucid about it. And I'll just play you a little extract, actually, because he talked about the over and then he talked about the aftermath and how he felt afterwards. I was a little shaky on that one. I thought, oh, my God, what's just happened? But it didn't register the fact that, oh, that's the first time ever in the history of the game. The others were reminding me that's the first time it's ever happened. I bet they were. Yeah. Okay. So, So it's happened. 
It's going to happen sometime. It's just unfortunately, it's me. But it never affected my psyche. Honestly, now it's it's that's just one of those things. Never bothered me. Still doesn't bother me. Okay, so that's Marvel Nash looking back at that day, which probably made his name in it's a way. It's got an incredibly refreshing attitude to it, hasn't it? He doesn't seem to mind at all. Yeah, he's quite. I think, I think he realises no, that it right sort of it. made his career yeah. in a way. And funnily enough, Sobers, yeah, he's got his book out now, that's right, which is called Not Only But Also My Life in Cricket. That's uh, a good read, actually. It's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's a very not earthy... Only, is it not only the man who was hit for six sixes, but also... Of course, yes. That's that the message behind I it. I suppose so. Right. And the funny thing is, of course, Sobers was his hero because he grew up watching Sobers as a 12-year-old and Sobers was a left-hand bat and left-arm bowler who bowled two different styles and Nash was exactly the same, not obviously as good, but tried to be. So it was quite ironic that Sobers was the man that, that deposited six balls out of the park in Swansea that day. So that is what the Cricketer magazine contains for this month, the issue out this week, end of the week, Thursday, Friday. And don't forget, you can get 20% off your subscription of The Cricketer magazine if you go to www.thecricketer.com forward slash podcast. So that's it for this week. We'll look back at the rest of the one-day series, England-Australia, next Monday after that series is concluded. And I'm sure there'll be lots of other things happening in the world of cricket to bring you. So speak to you then. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.